They say that experience is the best teacher, and the best way to learn from experience is to learn from others who have already found success. For this season of the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast, Michael has lined up a great group of successful people who will share their stories of how they got started and some powerful lessons from their accomplishments. He'll also be introducing you to people who are just starting on their entrepreneurship journey to share what they've learned so far. Success is not just about money, and we'll meet some people who have been successful in very unique ways. Entrepreneurship is an exciting journey, and we're glad to be along for the ride with you. Here's your host, the guy who knows a guy, Michael Whitehouse. Hello, and welcome to the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast. I am Michael Whitehouse, the guy who knows a guy himself, and our guest today is Leah Fink. Leah Fink's work and volunteer experience has been around helping people understand more about themselves and grow their confidence, including coaching freestyle skiing, leading youth in wilderness camp settings, and working with youth in a wilderness addiction and mental health program. Leah Fink is the owner and founder of All Thrive and the host of the weekly live show, Your Mind, Your Reality, Your Results. She is also an experienced facilitator of True Colors, Personality Typology, and the Right Use of Power. Leah Fink was very lucky to have the opportunity to start her personal development journey early on in life, which changed the way she saw herself and the world. Leah, welcome to the show. I'm very excited to have you on here. Well, thank you so much for having me, Michael. I'm really excited to be here. And so normally I, I kick off with the what makes you awesome question, and I will, but I actually want to uh, quickly get into the the true colors concept, because since I learned it from you when we first met, I'm like, this is a really useful modality, a really useful concept, and I'm sure going to refer back to it. So we're going to lead off with a little bit of education on what that is, and then we'll get into the interview portion of it, because I'm sure I'll be referring back to it um, a few different times. So before we launch into you, tell us about this True Colors thing, what it is, and what are the four colors? Yeah, so True Colors is a personality typology. It's been around for over 40 years. It's helped millions of people, all the way kids through adults, personally, professionally. And what I loved about it when I first did and why I wanted to share it with people is I feel it was one of the best empathy builders that I've ever seen in between people. And it really averted one of the problems I sometimes see with personality assessments. And that is people that do personality assessments just to learn about themselves. Mm. And not that that's a bad thing, that self-awareness is great. Uh, But what I really would encourage people to do as they're listening to this is to get a sense of maybe what their strongest personality trait is, but then also really listen to the part about how you can meet other people with their personalities. And you and I have talked about that before. It's a really useful skill to recognize, hey, this is my most natural way to do things. And that might not work for everyone else. Mm-hmm. So, yes. to jump, yeah. So to jump into them, there's four colors, really easy to remember, or four primary personality types. And you have all of these in you. You just have some in stronger and lesser amounts. And so you can always access all of them. And so the first one we'll start out today, sure, with blue. So blue are your relationship-based people. They're usually very empathic. They're creative. They're really looking for a deep emotional connection. So when you meet them, the first things that they might talk about is they might ask, how are you doing? But they actually mean it. They don't just want, I'm fine. They're actually wondering, what's up with you? They want to make that kind of connection. They might like talking about relationships and families. They really want to know what's important on that level. Now, uh, I always like to talk also about what stresses these people out, because I think this is a really good indicator when you're meeting people, they're not at their best. You can also give a little bit of a read then. 
So mm -hmm. generally they're going to be stressed by a lack of connection, whatever that feels like for them. So uh, not being able to communicate with the people they love or to take care of them. Uh, if they don't have the chance to be creative, potentially, they might be stressed by that. Obviously, with COVID, which is a great example, relevant right now, uh, they were stressed by not being able to to see their people, to see and take care of their people. So, so would a blue also be stressed out by like feeling ignored or like talking to someone and that person going, uh-huh, 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 and not really engaging? Very much so. They wouldn't mm. see that as making a deep connection. They also might not like people who don't use a lot of emotional language, right? They want to, they really want that. What they see as the deepest connection is, you know, potentially eye contact, sitting down with that cup of coffee and looking at each other, no distractions, one-on-one -on -one communication might feel really powerful to them. This sounds familiar. Yes. Yes. Okay. And <laughs> yeah. what's, so you, what's the next color? <laughs> so you might've, you might've uh, gone, Oh yeah, that's totally me. That's my strongest personality trait. Or you might've gone, Oh my God, blank in my life is totally that. That's what um, we, blue, that's starting point. Dee, da, boo, da, okay. Anyway. <laughs> awesome. Uh, next one, let's go to green. So green are your logical analytical people. They are seeking knowledge. They want to know the best and the most accurate information. So these are going to be your people who tend to ask maybe a lot of why questions. They're going to be constantly seeking more and more knowledge, however they can get it. And they're usually gonna be pretty direct. So when you meet a green or a person who's primary green, they're not going to probably ask a lot about your family and how your weekend was and how you're doing. They're gonna to get to the point, whatever the purpose was of your talk. And this isn't meant as a uh, negative thing, the same way it's not meant as disrespectful of the blues to use your time to talk about something personal. For greens, it's not disrespectful to not talk about emotions. They're just trying to be direct and get to the point that you want to talk about. They're problem solvers, right? They want to fix mm -hmm. problems. Um, they're going to be stressed out by a lack of information. They're also often stressed out by a lack of space, space to process, uh, too much noise in an environment. So even, even with the first two here, you could see how maybe there would be some conflict or even misunderstanding at the very least between people because you have one person who might feel very unhappy and ignored if you're not talking to them lots and giving those brief answers like Michael said and another person who might love that and vice versa and it doesn't mean that either of them doesn't care isn't a great person anything like that just that they have different perspectives on what's useful mm -hmm. we'll keep going along then what's the next color yeah, so next we have, uh, we'll go to gold. So gold are your organized people. They like having plans upon plans upon plans. Uh, they can generally be pretty traditional and they usually have a right way and the right way is the right way to do things. There's not another way to do things. Um, <laughs> uh, now, you know, this is this is classically your person who's going to be on top of everything. They have their, their schedule laid out. And when you meet them, uh, they might be a little bit more on the direct side as well, maybe not quite as much talking about emotions and, and those kind of conversations. And they're probably going to be early to wherever you're meeting them. And they might talk, I, I mean, I'm giving this mostly a business context, but they might talk about systems and processes pretty quickly. They want to know that you have a tried, tested and true method, and they want to know that you have a clear plan. Mm. Uh, obviously, then the opposite is they are stressed out if there is a lack of clear plan. Mm -hmm. They want to know what's going to happen, when it's going to happen. Um, and what you can do to support them is you can either help them make a plan 
if you're able to do that. Or potentially even better is they already have a plan. Ask them how you can help them with their plan and then do it to the quality that they want and in the way they want because they have an idea about how it should be done. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the ways you can support them. And then the opposite of the gold is... Last but not least, as Michael knows very well, um, is orange. And oranges are your uh, adventurous, spontaneous people. They usually have very big energy, uh, sometimes quick to be everyone's friend, the life of the party. And so when you meet them, you might first get a huge amount of energy and you might wonder where the heck the conversation went because it could go five different directions before you even realized you had started talking to them in a way. Um, often entrepreneurs, this is a very entrepreneurial energy because they want to chase new things, big new ideas. They're big picture thinkers often. And so when you meet someone, go ahead and take that journey with them. You don't need to get to the point immediately. You can have fun with them because fun is really important to them. You can also be pretty uh, direct with action pieces. You don't need to give them all the details and go into the minutia of things. There's my green word. Um, but you can say, hey, does this sound good? Okay, let's do it. And that would actually be appreciated by them. Uh, as you can imagine, gold and orange can sometimes be a bit in conflict because one is really spontaneous and one wants to be very planful. And so when your oranges are stressed, it's actually usually because there's too many plans and too many rules and they don't feel that freedom that they crave. Mm -hmm. So what you can do, have a little bit of fun with them and take action. Don't make plans for the future when you're going to go do something fun. Do it right now. Maybe make it a competition. We often like competition. But once again, you have all of these different pieces in you and you probably noticed, first of all, what your strongest one was. You may have recognized that there's one that you tend to communicate from or that you tend to use with family or what they tend to use at work. And, you know, you can go back and forth between these different ones. And I hope that people really heard that there are ways to de-stress and interact with every single different color um, or help them de-stress, I guess, and interact with every single color and really be conscious of when you meet someone, you know, if I'd met Michael, who... I realized pretty quickly was orange and I had started just talking to him. About, <laughs> it's very subtle. If I just started talking to him about all the details and all the plans I had, he probably wouldn't have felt connected or heard or understood. And it's not manipulation for me to have played with him in the way that he likes to interact. It was just being like, Hey, I recognize that you want this kind of thing and I can give that to you. Yeah. Yeah. And these are, and, these are powerful to understand, but also I can see orange and gold, if they don't understand each other, being like, oh my God, why are you still talking? Or where are you going? We don't know where we're going. But putting them together can be a power team. You know, the, the orange the orange CEO and the gold executive assistant, um, which, you know, you think about that that secretary or executive assistant who runs the company while the CEO is like, I'm off over here. Uh, or, or the founders, but, or the gold founder, or the orange founder. There's once you understand that dynamic, there's a freedom in the organization. So by having a and actually one of one of my clients, their structure is that way. They've got a really strong gold operations director, so that the orange founder can run off and do all kinds of different things because he knows the system is is going and is not going to fall apart because there is a system. If he wants to do something, there's a way to do it. So he can plug in and go to the operations person that I want to do this. How do we do it? And and the, the gold come with the how 
when the orange is like, what's up? I'm going this way. We're going north. How do we go north? Yeah, I'll tell you when yeah. I've gotten north, and then I'll explain how I got there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so no, the gold is the reason why there is food and fuel on the trip, and <laughs> exactly why you're not working down the side of the road. <laughs> well, it's a really important thing to recognize: is each of these primary personality types is going to have different strengths and different challenges, mm-hmm. and it is fantastic. I really do believe that teams should have all of these pieces because, yeah, if you have a team mm-hmm. that's just orange. Uh, There might be a lot of chaos. (laughs) Things might not get completed because they're not always the best at completing tasks. If you have only gold, things might uh, be planned down to the T and every little detail and you get kind of too caught in the weeds there. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and then, and then the opposite, of course, too, if you have a team with no gold, you're not going to have, you know, that, that organization set up. If you have a team with no green, you're not going to necessarily get the best results because you don't have someone to do that research for you. If you don't have a mm-hmm. blue, you might end up with a team where people really don't feel cared about. So each of these has really great strengths. So I very highly encourage that people try to create that diversity when they can. And also to speak to something you said, which is, you know, one of my pet peeves with personality typology is people saying, now I've learned this. Uh, so I've learned I'm a green. So instead of, interacting with people and using this as an empathy tool they just say hey well i'm a green so i am that way deal with it yeah that's yeah yeah and it's i mean you know a lot of the work i do is around relationship and helping people have great relationships and the way that you do that is you can still say hey i'm a green my natural way or my habit of doing things would be to do this i'm not sure if that's going to work with for you would it work better to do mm-hmm. xyz instead And that's really how you build healthy relationships is recognizing that, yeah, you have your comfortable way, but there are so many other options on how you can choose to meet someone. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think also the way I, the way I hear it is you're going to my, my geek roots. I think of like a a Dungeons and Dragons party, you know, you wouldn't just put four fighters together in one in a party and call it a day because you need that, that diversity, you know, someone needs to do the magic, someone needs to do the healing, someone needs to kick down the doors. Someone needs to be able to deal. Needs to be able to deal with the traps. And same thing in business, you know, you need these four aspects. Um, and and that's that's why I I like this this the system you use the uh, the true color system because you know with with disc I don't so much look at like I think we need a D and I and S and a C because I don't necessarily see how they fit as a team. They don't divide along those lines, but you can totally see how. You need a gold to just kind of be like, we're going this way. You need a blue to be like, no, no, he does care about your opinion. He actually heard it. Um, he just doesn't respond because he's too busy running off. Uh, you need you, you need the gold to make sure that all the details and you know, the bills are getting paid and that you're not yeah. incurring a $100,000 tax bill or, you know, not uh, putting food in the in the wagons as you head off, head off into the wilderness. Um, and, you know, you need the green to to get all those details ready. Um, you know, how the details ready to like, how much, how much food are we going to need to go out there? And, and, uh, what, what do people actually eat and what is in that wilderness that we need to prepare for? And, and, you know, all, all four of those are, are crucial to a strong, to a strong team dynamic. Well, and the funny thing is it's people, we know that people naturally tend to be gravitate or to gravitate towards what feels familiar and comfortable for them. So it's much more likely for someone to hire someone with a similar color to them because it's comfortable and their communication probably feels easy. Most people, if you look at your friend groups, probably have an underlying color that might be 
similar for a lot of people for the strongest color. And it's funny because when you make your ideal team, which is a combination of all these different personality types, you might find it slightly, I want to say annoying, but you have to recognize that the same strengths that you are looking for in those other people to make your team well-rounded might be things that you don't value as much or find as easy. So it's also easier to be like, oh, why is that person having such big ideas and big energy? Like, don't they know that I'm trying to organize something over here? Or, you know, why is that person so concerned about all the facts of this? Like, don't they, don't they recognize that I wanted some like emotional support or, you know, a good conversation. So it's funny that, you know, this is why it's so important to be aware of these pieces is to say, okay, I recognize that what that person is doing is for a reason. It's going to help me in these ways. And I can access that part of myself Mm -hmm. to not take it personally too. People take this very personally. Mm. Yeah. 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 yeah, I think that's a lot. That's something I need to be reminded of regularly is, you know, I've been through year months, years of like hanging out with coaches and learning all these self-development, self-awareness tools and gratitude tools and, and, you know, don't take everything personally and the four agreements and those kind of things. Like that's just background to me now and that most people haven't. And yeah. so people do still attach their egos to their opinions and they do still attach their, um, their self-worth to their, their time. as I think back, I'm like, what was it like when I was 20? Ooh, yeah, that guy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now I get it. I remember when I was in high school when they, they'd specifically call on the quiet people to engage them in the conversation. I'm like, why are we doing that? If they had something to say, they'd talk. Let's like, like the, the smart people are talking here. We, we don't need to drag them along. Um, and it's not that they weren't smarter. They were quieter, which it took me a long time to figure that one out. Awkward. Yeah. Well, it's um, interesting because we both get that piece of, of judging others of like, God, why are they doing that? That's so silly or stupid. Um, but one of the pieces too, and, and this is the piece that I think is really helpful in personality types is, is do also take a second to celebrate yourself. And mm-hmm. we've talked about this, Michael, you talked about how, you know, you've been told often, oh, you're too big energy, you're too loud, tone it down, tone it down, tone it down. And this is where, especially on a team, if you can acknowledge everyone for those strengths and really take the chance to celebrate each of these different pieces instead of judging each other and then having people judge themselves, then they really Mm -hmm. shine. And you, you know, I think you've had a really cool journey of now embracing that and being like, oh my God, this is a superpower of mine. Not yep. just that annoying trait that everyone's telling me to get rid of. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, as you, and, and so, you know, once you recognize that too and embrace it, then it's no longer as sensitive. So if you've mm-hmm. got someone on the team who's, who's big energy and loud and, and overwhelming, and that makes them great because they're the one who opens up all your stage shows and gets the audience going and none of the rest of you could do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a team meeting, when you're in the boardroom, they're really loud. You know, you can joke about that and be like, all right, yeah, Michael, can you sit at the end of the table? Like, we can totally hear you. We love you. But if you're like 10 feet further away, we love you more. Um, <laughs> or, yeah. or, or you know, like, like I've embraced that the, my, and some of this is an ADD trait more than a personality trait. But as we're talking before, you, you sent me your bio and I was explaining, I have trouble comprehending what I'm reading while I'm talking to someone. Cause my brain's like, but there's a person here. Why are we reading symbols on this screen? Those aren't important. Talk to the person, which makes it challenging when I'm, if I'm seeing the bio for the first time to be like, does this bio make sense? Where should I cut it off? And so I'll tell my guests, like, I need you to tell me where your bio stops when I, cause often I'll, I'll get the full, the full bio that's going to go on the website. Like, I need you to tell me where I need to stop talking. Cause I can't parse this that I'm looking at. 
So I'm going to just run it straight from my eyes to my, my verbal cortex, not my mouth. So I'm hoping there's no errors in here because I'm just going to read them. Um, but that's, you know, and I just embrace that. I'm not like, oh, let me pretend that I know what I'm doing and hope they don't notice. It's, it's like, I can't do this thing that seems like I should be able to do it. I can't. So we're going to not do that. Um, I, and it's also valuable, in my opinion, when you can, when you have the chance with a, with a group of people who understand this about each other mm-hmm. and can recognize it and celebrate it. So you know that I celebrate your orange. So mm-hmm. also, if we're in a situation I was like, hey, Michael, you're being a bit orange. Could you pull in a little bit of the, the green energy or the gold energy yep. right now? It would be less like, hey, Michael, stop being such a big personality. It's less of a shutdown and more like a, hey, like I've celebrated you lots. I think this is a great thing. Could I ask you to do something else right now? And it becomes, again, about building relationship and acknowledging versus yep. shutting someone down and judging them. Yeah, yeah, that's that's huge in, in a number of ways. And then also, you know, recognizing the effect that that can have in your relationships for what you are. So with my yeah. with my oranginess and aggressiveness and big energy, like that that led to some very negative interactions. Yeah, that's a yeah. polite way to say it. Uh, in the old days, you know, being booted out of leadership from organization because I, I I had this attitude of, oh, if they have a problem with what I'm doing, they'll tell me. And yeah. if they're not telling me, they can't have a problem. Which is, you know, in retrospect, like, wow, were you seven? Uh, <laughs> like, how did you not figure that out as a 26-year-old? Um, but but it just, and that, that's one of the things always, I always think about is is when you talk to, when you're like, how do they not know that? Well, where would they have learned it? When would they have gotten that lesson? I, I got that lesson this way. You know, I got the lesson being a director of Rocky Horror Picture Show cast and my interactions offending enough people that they booted me out of leadership. Most people didn't have that experience, so they didn't learn that lesson. And it was a very painful, expensive lesson. So, you know, I always try to recognize how did other people not learn that. But that was, um, uh, but, you know, that's something I've learned is is recognizing how does what I'm doing and those traits of mine affect others. And then also, you know, giving people space to do what they, even though I'm, I like talking, I try to, like, if, if you were, if I'm talking to someone who's gold and they're telling me all the details of all their plans, I will attempt to engage at their level and be like, all right, let's listen to all these plans. I might not understand them all, but, um, and, and so I, I love getting into someone else's, like when they've got that organized energy, I'm like, I'm going to latch onto your organized energy. Cause I don't have any of my own. So I'm just going to ride along with you. It's, <laughs> it's kind of a cool space to be in for a bit. Yeah, it totally is. And this is, this is really the the ultimate level. And to be fair, we've had a lot of time to talk about this. We actually got to meet each other and mm-hmm. go into this yeah. a little bit more in depth. I do hope that people hearing this, I mean, ideally take a course. I mean, I do this. I take a full day to work with people on this. And what's really funny to me is everyone comes in generally thinking they're a little bit better at this than they are. <laughs> right? Everyone comes in going, well, yeah, I know there's different personality types and I've done some of this before and I know how to interact with this person and this person and one of the things we go through in my trainings is we we go through okay well here you're meeting Bob and he's green and he's stressed and this person is maybe naturally an orange is their strongest color and you say okay help Bob de-stress what would you do we've we've spent the whole day going through all these pieces and people still go oh what do I do? <laughs> this is this is hard, right? You have your patterns of being. You have what's most comfortable and you have what would work for you, right? Especially when you're thinking about helping someone else, you think, well, what would help me? And you try to do that for the other person. 
recognizing mm-hmm. that that might not, right? I, I mean, the very classic example that I love is, um, you know, to be fair, there are some gender pieces that can play out because of how our society are with the colors. So you tend to get uh, less green women, more blue women, less blue men, more green men. Um, and so like a very classic stereotype I've seen is, you know, the woman comes and she's talking about how she's really sad and stressed about something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in this case, if she's blue, she might be looking for, oh, I hear you. Tell me more. I'm really looking to mm-hmm. understand you. And the classic trope of the guy going, well, I want to solve your problem. Why aren't you listening to me solving your problem? Right? Because yeah. that would actually be comforting to them. If they come to you with a problem, they want you to help them solve it. Meanwhile, if a blue comes to you with a problem, they want you to hear it and understand them. And it's it's it comes from a place also of empathy, which is really funny. But recognizing that just because we have a good intention to be empathetic with someone else and understand them and help them, if we're not aware of what we're actually doing and if they want the kind of help we're giving them, we're not mm-hmm. helping. We're actually probably going to make it worse. Yep. Yeah. And that's what I found interesting. So I'm, I'm, I have strong blue and orange uh, tendencies, but you know, when someone comes with a problem, I, I've developed the the habit of basically saying, what kind of support are you looking for here? Is this, is this a cry on my shoulder conversation or is this a fix the problem conversation or is this a cry on my shoulder and then fix the problem conversation? <laughs> and I, I have had conversations cause I, I don't um, do a lot of coaching as much now that I'm doing the, the networking concierging, but I have the training in coaching and I've a lot of experience and tools. So there's a lot more problems I can solve when people come mm-hmm. to me with them. And so for my friends, often the solution is a pretty simple, like here's the answer and here's a quick tip of how to execute and if they can understand it they're like oh oh that's what i'm doing wrong okay i got it they're like with job searching there's a couple of networking tips i can give them in 20 minutes that they put that in their strategy they are off to the races uh so so i i've had a few people who who you know in december i was super busy but a friend of mine was having a uh, challenge finding a job and i basically reached out and i said you know i i hear you have a challenge here's the deal Frankly, I don't have time to like really get into the emotional support thing. If that's what you need, I can't help you with this. If you want help getting the job, I have strategies you can use because I see what you seem to be doing. And there's some tools I'm aware of that I can teach you in like 10 minutes over Messenger. If you want a solution, I can give it to you if you're ready to execute now. If you need to talk about it, I unfortunately am not that friend right now because I don't have time. I'm too busy. Um which is it? And she's like, no, I'm ready to execute. I want the freaking answer to this question. Let's go. What is it? Gave her the answer. And then she executed and actually ended up landing a job a month later. As it turned out, I later found out the job wasn't as advertised. So she's, I'm helping her again, um, again with more execution, but, but it started with, here's what I have the resources to help you with. Is that valuable? As opposed to, and I learned this the hard way, you can't just start coaching someone. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you need to get get them in on the process before like, here's the answer. Here's how you solve it. They're like, whoa, back off, buddy. What are you doing? Tell me what to do. So yeah. very valuable lesson that I've learned the hard way. Right. And that is, a, that is such a good question. The, what kind of support are you looking for? Mm-hmm. And what I particularly love about it is that is basically asking for consent to give yep. a type of feedback. Right. And we think of, you know, people talk about consent, obviously, and like, physical relationships and things like that. But consent in relationships in general is, I mean, that's a whole other topic I could do a whole other podcast on because you're saying, Hey, I'm going to give you 
something that you might not like? Are you okay with that? Or what would you rather have? Those are all questions that are about recognizing the other person, recognizing Mm -hmm. they might be in a different space than you. And instead of uh, gifting them with something they don't want, like say an opinion, uh, Uh you can instead give them something they do want that they feel ready for at that point when you ask those kinds of questions. Yeah. Yeah. I wrote an article a while ago about, um, I can't remember the title it was, but basically it, it was how how oppressive unsolicited advice can be, mm-hmm. um, especially from someone you respect. Because, you know, when I was early on, some some coaches I respected would be like, you should do this. But they weren't actually asking questions first to see where I was and what I needed. And so it it was sometimes bad advice. Sometimes I recognized it. And sometimes it was good advice for not me. For someone else who had great advice, for me it was derailing and so, and Worst case, I followed it and ended up going down the wrong rabbit trail, fixing the wrong problem. And best case, I would recognize it, but it still kind of stressed me out. Then I'm like, oh, now I got to, now I'm not doing it. And I have to explain why I'm not doing it, but apologize to them. And it's just so awkward. Um, yeah, but you're, you're totally right about you know, the gift of, the, the white elephant gift of, of advice without consent. That's a, that's a really great point. When on, on a, bigger picture. Sorry, one more little tangent here. Mm-hmm. Uh, on a bigger tangents, picture, I hate tangents, but I know I love tangents. <laughs> I know, I shouldn't, I shouldn't talk to you about <laughs> that. Um, another thing that I see a lot of, which is important for people to recognize too, is when you go into a conversation, whether that's work or personal, however you are trying to help someone or, you know, whatever need you have to get met, you're going to have an agenda. Mm-hmm. And the way that we're trained is often that, you know, you try to control people into agreeing with your agenda. So if that is, for example, that unsolicited advice is, if I give you this advice, you're going to take it and you're going to do what I want, what I think is best. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily from a mean place, right? This is a, like a classic parent one too, is you should do this. And the team's going like, yeah, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it actually usually ends up backfiring as well. And so Something like True Colors, there's tons of other tools that you can use to use empathy instead to learn how to approach and ask the other person in that consentful way, you know, what works for you, what's happening for you. And then you give them the feedback and you'll have noticed from coaching when you connect with someone and you understand their problem, like you were just saying, then they actually can make a change because they feel heard, because they feel understood. Mm -hmm. So our whole, it's the same thing as saying, well, I'm a green deal with it. Instead saying, hey, I'm agreeing, how would this work for you? You're actually going to get them to do the thing you want much easier. Mm. Not yeah. to try to manipulate them, but just to say when people feel understood, they are willing to listen. Yep. Yeah, one of those powerful examples of, of the consent concept I saw was in um, in cold calling that I was uh, working with, with Donnie Bovine of the Success Champions Network or Success Champions Companies. Uh, and he was teaching us uh, cold calling. And one of the, one of the approaches he uses is that he'll call someone up and, and he'll introduce himself and um, give them that, that moment to, to identify if he's, you know, like, do I know this guy or not? Um, they're like, no, I, I don't know who you are. And they'd be like, well, I guess this is a cold call. Do you mind if I tell you why I'm calling? <laughs> and it's such a weird, disarming question that you're like, uh, I, I guess not. Because it, it just feels strange to say, like, yeah, I mind, bug off. But if they do, they do. Um, yeah. But now you've gotten consent to present. And they can no longer be like, what, what are you doing? Pitch me. Like, well, I said, do you mind if I tell you why I'm calling? And, <laughs> and it's amazingly powerful. I've seen this in sales. Um, 
you know, when I was when I was selling from the magazine doing other sales, if you ask for consent in the various steps, and they accept because because when you ask that 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 uh, step by step question, you know, do you mind if I tell you why I'm calling? Well, I guess not. Now I have permission to tell you why I'm calling. You know, do you mind if I ask you if we set up a time to meet? Um, no, I'll go ahead. And then I try to set up a time to meet. Well, now you're kind of feels like you should say yes, because you just gave permission to try to set up a time. And why would you do that if you weren't going to meet? Um, so, so you're getting them to agree each step of the way and removing, you're not piling up. You know, it's like if, if you're, you're from Canada, you understand this pushing snow, you know, if you're pushing, you know, if you're pushing a lot of snow, the shovel's getting heavier and heavier and heavier until eventually you're like, that's too much to push. Whereas if you toss it as you go, then you're not piling up this, this uh, wave front of resistance as you go, because you're getting them to be like, yeah, no, that's okay. And I think that's where that whole like 21 yeses idea comes from. Yeah. That it's not about getting them to say yes, it's about getting them to agree to each step. You know, getting them to say, if I threw you a life jacket when you're drowning, would you take it? Yes, that doesn't make them agree. But getting them to say, can I tell you what I'm calling about? Can I ask you a question? Can I get some more information from you? Um, that's what really gets them, gets them going, because it removes that resistance as you go. And it's just super empowering yeah, for people to realize, hey, it's not the time for this conversation. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have it now. Call back later. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, actually, you know, thinking back to when I sold cars, one of the strategies I was, I was taught, which is kind of natural for me, but um, it was good to be taught it as well, is the idea of letting the customer feel like they can leave anytime they want. Because the traditional car sales model is the like, oh, you can't leave till I talk to my manager. Um, yeah. you know, I'm going to chain you to the desk and we're going to do everything we can to sell you before we let you out the door. And my strategy, um, you know, but my manager taught me that, you know, one of his lines would, would be like, I'm sorry, get tense, but like, listen, just, you know, there's five doors to the showroom. I can only cover like one or two of them. So if you ever want to leave, you could just whoop right out the door. I can't keep you here. Don't worry about it. And my sales strategy was always, someone's like, you know, I, I really want to think about her. I want to go down the street and take a look at the, the Toyota or the Nissan or whatever, but like, cool, I'll be here till eight. Let me know how it goes. Uh, and the return rate on those customers was like 60% who left to go look at another car would come back the same day because they're thinking they have the same experience down the street. And down the street, they got the guy trying to chain them to the desk. They're like, oh my God, that was so awful. Michael, please take me out of the market. Please end this misery for me. I forgot they were all so terrible out there. Um, but it's because I got consent. I... I you know, made it clear to them they controlled the situation. I was simply their guide on the process to get where they wanted to go to. Totally. So, yeah. Um, now, so so I know you also do some work with uh, with power dynamics. I assume yes. that's what the right use of power um, is, is your power dynamics program. So talk a little bit about what you do with that. Well, this is, this is again, a whole other podcast. <laughs> talk briefly. We'll bring you back on later. Yeah, totally. Um, so the piece with power dynamics and, um, this is something, uh, right use power was started in the eighties by a wonderful woman named Cedar Barstow. And she was looking in that particular case in power dynamics in a therapeutic relationship. Cause mm-hmm. as you can imagine, a therapist to their client, there's, there's a power dynamic going on there. A little bit. A little bit. And yeah, as it's grown and it's gone more out in the world, you start to see it everywhere. And mm-hmm. the thing about power dynamics is they are an underlying component of all relationships, every single one, even the ones that you maybe are not super conscious of it for. And it's great 
when you can be aware of them, like, you know, you go into work and you're a boss and you recognize there's some power that comes with that. Mm -hmm. But even with that knowledge, there's often times in our relational interactions that we kind of forget about it. We don't recognize that the person who has less power in that situation is always going to be aware and there's little vulnerability there. So the work that I do with it is really helping people understand, first of all, what those power dynamics are, where they're alive, give them some really simple mm -hmm. language to be able to talk about that. And that's everything from the power dynamics inherent in privilege to the roles we take on, group power dynamics, personal power. Um, and then it's really looking at what does it mean? You know, the saying with great power comes great responsibility. Uh -huh. It's really looking at what what is that responsibility? Because I think a lot of people know that saying, but if you ask them, what is the responsibility of great power? <laughs> Go ahead, Michael. Do you want to answer? Uh, well, well, I mean, the, the responsibility of great power is that if you have power over someone, you're responsible for them as well as yourself. So if you had power over... So, okay, you have a daughter. Mm -hmm. You have responsibility over her. If she screams at you, are you responsible for that? Um, yes. Uh, well, well, that's, that's the parent dynamic because if she's, if she's having behavioral issues, there's something I did in the way I raised her or didn't do. Um, now I might not know what I did or didn't do, but it's, I mean, that, that comes down to the, your life is the, the result of all your choices. Um, but, but it's, it's more a matter of, of also like, there's a great weight in, in having that power. And I've heard some, some bosses talk about that, that like, it's not, this is not about me. This is about the livelihoods of the 27 people who work for my company. And that every decision I make has that much weight on it. It's not just about like, I've need to accept the responsibility for all these people I've taken power over and who make things possible because their lives, their, their livelihoods depend on, um, the, the choices I make and I need to take that into account. Oh, and there, there is definitely a weight to responsibility because mm -hmm. it does take extra effort and awareness. I would challenge or suggest as a bit of a reframe, which is really important for people because it comes also back to that control piece is mm -hmm. everyone who comes into a relationship is responsible for themselves. If, if your kid chooses to scream at you, there's still a piece of self-responsibility there. Maybe not when they're babies, but you know, when they're old enough Most to have yes, yes. conversations yep. and stuff, there's still a personal choice there. You know, an employee going into an office, their boss isn't responsible for every choice they make, even though they have right. that responsibility. The piece that we need to be responsible for is the health of the relationship. Mm. Right. So it's not saying I can control you and you, you know, all of your pieces are on me. It's saying if we're having a negative interaction for some reason, if you're not understanding something, if we're having a clash, that is my responsibility to take the steps to maybe adapt my approach yep. using something like right use of power. Maybe it's to admit when something went wrong and be the one to start repairing that relationship. And the really big one, which I work on a lot is feedback, mm -hmm. right? How do I actually know that I'm having the result with my employees that I want, that I'm having the yep. result with my kids that I want, right? It's great to have intentions. Mm -hmm. I know you have great intentions. Everyone has great intentions, but how are you actually tracking for that and figuring it out? So there's, there's a whole bunch of components to that responsibility and how to actually do that in a way that means you're using your power effectively, ethically, 
in a way that moves stuff forward the way you hope it will. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And, and I know you, you have the, the nicest, most inoffensive way of saying you're wrong. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, it's, as long as I know you well, I'll be like, wait, you just totally told me I was completely wrong. No, not completely wrong. <laughs> but you're like, I will gently correct you. Um, but, you know, actually, if, if, for listeners, if you want to hear, like, how to correct someone without making them feel like, oh, I'm so stupid. But go back about two minutes and listen to how she did that because you probably didn't notice it when you were listening. But it was absolutely like a 160 degree turn off what I said. Um, and it's is a brilliant example of that almost like yes ending. Um, you know, r- recognizing like, you know, I, I appreciate what you say. I respect it. I acknowledge it. And now we're going to go this other direction. Which well, is it's, it's an important piece too to once again with obviously intention and impact and how this all rolls out but but uh, and the the yes end is incredibly powerful because Mm -hmm. i didn't want to discount your opinion because there's some points of what you said that were totally true Mm -hmm. really useful for people to hear of a lot of the things your kids do maybe not all but a lot of them are influenced by something that you did yeah and that is a type of responsibility to say hey i recognize this might've been a little bit because of me mm-hmm. and adding another opinion is not a problem, but that comes because we built an empathic conference. Ah, we've been to an empathic connection yeah. where you know that I hear you. I listen to you. I value your opinion. So then also when I can give you things and be like, have you thought about it this way? You're not wrong. Here's just another way to think about it. Does that resonate with you? And you can go, Oh, like you, there's the trust built. There's, there's a connection and a relationship there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. But, but, it, and, and going back to what you're saying earlier about the, how the, the person in the subordinate dynamic is always aware of it. I think a lot of bosses don't say really like, Oh no, I'm the nice boss. So they can say anything to me. Can they, can they really? Um, and sometimes it is true. And sometimes it's not like they can say anything to me except for that guy who I just fired because he pissed me off, but everyone else can say anything to me that they're, they're totally fine. Uh, and I, I experienced this very much, you know, when I was in that leadership position and I was the director of a Rocky Horror Picture Show Shadowcast. It was a volunteer organization. Anyone could come and go as they please. Their grades, their job, their livelihood weren't tied up in it. So I'm thinking, what power do I have as a director of this group? But it was a very important social group for the people in it. And I had a, a lot of positional authority. And so people weren't comfortable coming to me because they perceived and it's funny that they perceived that they'd be punished if they, if they spoke out. Um, and the way they thought they'd be punished was actually structured. Like who got on stage, there's an algorithm that determined it. And I almost never manually made changes in it, but they didn't realize that there wasn't even a bias factor in it. And, and so I'm like, well, I, I couldn't even change that. There's a system, there's a process, which is weird that I had a system and a process, but I did. And, but, but they, they made the assumption possibly aided by other people telling them um, that, oh, I'd be careful talking to him about that because, you know, he does decide who gets on stage and uh, you don't know what's going to happen if you say the wrong thing there. Um, And I wasn't aware of the power dynamic. And so I'm like, why isn't anyone talking to me? I'm nice. I got an open door. I I wouldn't do anything to anyone. I'd never do that. And I'm pretty sure I never actually did. Um, But that didn't change their perception. Um, and didn't give me that that opening to you know so so I wasn't getting the information because I wasn't communicating 
with people the way they needed to be heard. Totally. And what you want also want to recognize is the first thing we actually do when I do these trainings is we start exploring your own perception of power. Mm-hmm. So how you have experienced power, especially in those vulnerable positions, probably affects how you're going to use your power. And I see a lot, um, you know, I was in social work, or I'm a registered social worker in that field for a long time. You see a lot of people who've seen such abuses of power that often people will draw back and they might become that boss that's like, hey, I'm one of you. It's all service-based leadership. We're all equal. Love all of you guys. And at the same time, like you said, that employee is always aware. At the end yep. of the day, the boss can still fire them. At the end of the day, they might give a suggestion that the boss goes, no, throws it right out, doesn't mm-hmm. actually have an impact. And that is as much a misuse of power as a boss trying to control every aspect of your life. Yep. Right? Because think of, think of those times that, you know, you don't go into a doctor, right? patient to doctor is a power dynamic. You mm-hmm. don't go into a doctor and say, hey, doc, I've got this real problem. Tell me what's wrong. And they go, oh, what do you think? Yeah. <laughs> that's not reassuring right there's times when you want someone to step up and if your experiences of power have been bad you see it as a bad thing mm-hmm. as a leader you might be taking a step back when your employees really need you to take a step forward and use your power in a really healthy way mm. and vice versa if you've had really negative experiences and your way of being or even positive experiences in your way of being is like to really embrace that power and really use it strong so you've got big ideas and you want everyone to follow them then that also probably is going to be a misuse of power at times when Mm. you want the employees to be standing on their own two feet and making their own decisions. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. And as you know, talking about the, the power dynamics of, of the job work, obviously I don't, you know, have a boss. I don't work a job. Um, As, as uh, Phil Bluch says, sometimes entrepreneur is just a a word for someone who can't keep a real job um, unsuited to an office environment. Uh, Recently I was introduced to somebody to to work with them and the the method I was introduced through put me into their like hiring channel so I talked to their recruiter the person who hires their w2 style employees um, and some of the, the ways she was talking and just terms she used and and there's an inherent paradynamic assumed with a recruiter that they have the power and you don't because you're the applicant uh, who you know please sir may I have a job I, I need to feed my family. Uh, is kind of the the vibe there, and my my mind immediately rebelled against every part of that interaction. But instead of, I, I kind of recognized it and said, you know, this is not the conversation we're going to have because I'm not looking for a job. I have value to offer, and we're going to exchange it. And so it it was interesting, kind of watching the dynamic of the conversation. Uh, and I think I actually came across her as the most con- just the most confident candidate she'd ever encountered because I was completely uncowed by the dynamic because I don't work in that world. But it's really interesting to see the the vibe difference between like the corporate recruiter versus the contractor consultant approaching for from more of a peer-to-peer dynamic. Um, and it's interesting how those those different dynamics occur. And I've, I've talked to some people who went from employee to contractor at the same company and watched the way they were treated change because now they're a fellow business owner from a company of one versus an employee even if they're doing a similar role for the same company working with the same boss the dynamic changes because they're no longer an employee yeah and the thing is you're every day in every interaction you have you're shifting through power dynamics right you you go into work you're the manager 
Uh, you go home, you're the parent, you go into the doctor, you're not the patient. Right now you've gone to that lower power dynamic. And one thing to, to keep in mind underlaying all of this too is there's power dynamics interpersonally in your relationship, then there's your own sense of your personal power. Mm. And, you know, you have a very high sense of your personal power and the belief of what you can influence and change in the world. My experience of you at least is that. <laughs> and, you know, that means that there's probably many times when you haven't noticed the power dynamic as much. Mm. You also have grown up as a white male. So there's a lot of times you've probably experienced a little bit of privilege, which adds to that. And mm -hmm. same thing, not to cast anything on anyone, but yep. all of those pieces play into this as well. Right. It's, but you, you can't get rid of power dynamics, which is the, the final piece. Even, even in that interaction with your recruiter, there was still a dynamic because you were aware enough to note, Hmm. Hmm. I, I'm aware that something's happening with me. And even though you were really confident going into it, yep. there was, there was still power dynamic. Even if the outcome doesn't matter as much, you can still yep. be conscious of what's happening. Right. And even for that contractor, going back to the boss as a contractor, there's still, you know, this person can hire and fire me and they pay the bills for me. So it's, it's all those subtle pieces that are really, really important to be aware of, even when we might not be thinking about them. Absolutely. Well, I think in the, in the sales conversation, um, shifting the power dynamic is one of the, it, it's almost one of those like transcendental kind of things that they try to teach sales. And most salespeople hear it and they're like, what, what? To go from, I am the salesperson, I hope you buy to I am assessing if we will accept you as a client. Um, and that's, uh, which, which I've, I've actually experienced recently now that my, with the networking concierge, a very specific uh, service that's for a very specific kind of client. And I've had a few people I've talked to who want to work with me. I'm like, I don't think this is a fit. Because, uh, and it's, it's probably, it's, it's not a fit because I'm not sure I can provide value. Um, yeah. And also some of them, I'm just not sure I want to work with them. But yeah, I'm not sure I can provide the value there. And so it will be uncomfortable down the road, but to be in that place where I don't need a sale, I don't have a manager breathing down my neck saying, why did you sell that person? It's me deciding who I want to have relationships with. And so the dynamic flips, which takes all the stress off me, um, but also it, it makes it a really interesting to just be in what seems like it should be a similar dynamic, but because the, because it's still, I have a product and I'm, I, you know, working to get their money. Um, but it's it's a different uh, you know different vibe there. Well, and you are in you are in the position with power in that situation, right? Yeah, if which usually the person selling is not. So that's I've I, I've achieved that sales nirvana. <laughs> I I think well, you usually I would I I think in a lot of circumstances the person selling is the one that does have the the power because hmm. someone is coming to them to get a problem solved. Someone is coming you, to if, if it's you, right? even, if, even yeah. as a car salesman, someone is coming to you saying, I do not have the ride I want. I would like the ride I want. I'm relying on you for some information. You know, I have to trust you to give me a good deal and not pressure me. They're coming to you with this piece of, you know, help me. And there's, mm -hmm. there's a vulnerability to that. Whereas, you know, in that position, you're also, of course, not or having less power than your manager or whoever's coming around to yeah. tell you what to do. But to the, to the client, there's going to be a power dynamic, I think, actually, and I don't want to say in your favor, but where yeah. you have a little bit more say. Yeah. Yep. Well, I think also like outbound sales. So like I'm calling someone up to try to get them into an appointment where it's 
it can be very much like, please, please set a point with me, please. I, I need to yeah. feed my family. Um, and so it's very interesting, but yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's a lot of, it's more complex than it seems. So I could probably talk to you for another three hours. Um, although yeah. maybe you'll get tired and you probably have things to do. So no, but this has been, this has been fantastic and, uh, always love talking to you, obviously, but, uh, this is, I think some really great topics we got to, we didn't even get to my first question. So, <laughs> but I think people can assume the answer to what makes you awesome. Cause we just talked about it for 51 minutes. So <laughs> Um, I, I let you show why you're awesome instead of having to tell. So, um, yeah, you, you totally oranged my, <laughs> you let me orange my agenda. Thank so. you very much. We oranged your agenda real good. Yeah. Um, so if people are hearing this and they're like, wow, this power dynamics thing seems fascinating, or I want to learn about true colors, or I want you to come and speak to my company and teach my team how to be amazing and communicate better. How would they contact you to do that? Uh, well, there's two things. They can go to allthrive.ca, uh, A-L-L-T-H-R-I-V-E.ca, uh, or they can give me a call, 403-680-7591. And I'm happy to chat about this. If, even if you just have questions, let's have a conversation. All right. And of course, both of those will be in the show notes. Um, so in case you didn't catch the number when it went by, you don't have to keep rewinding. It's in the show notes. Um, and I, as I always include in the notes when somebody says, give me a call or go to my website. She means you listener. The one who's like, I don't know if she wants to talk to me. Yes. She wants to talk to you. I know her. She wants to talk to you. The person's listening. If you have questions, if you have thoughts, if you're like, she just sounds really cool and I want to talk to her. She wants to talk to you. So take advantage of that. Cause I think you often listen to a podcast. You're like, Oh, they don't want to talk to me. She does. Right, Leah? You want to talk to them? I do. She does. Don't talk to me. <laughs> uh, so thank you so much. This has been awesome. So it's allthrive.ca or 403-680-7591. I got that right, right? Totally. Good, because that's the number I'm putting in the show notes. So hopefully I got it right. <laughs> so this has been fantastic. And, um, and of course, you're going to be on the in the Global Networking Summit. I will be. Where I interviewed you the first time. Um, and then I look forward to having you back at some point when you get around to filling out the form on the Power Lunch podcast. I would love to be on there. Thank you so much for having me. This was super fun. Always All right. Super fun as always. Thank you. This has been the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast with your host, Michael Whitehouse. This great theme song is by Patrick Howard. If you found this valuable, please subscribe, leave a review, and share this podcast. Find the full archive of all episodes at guywhoknowsaguy.com slash podcast. Check out my other podcast, Morning Motivation. It's a daily podcast of two to five minutes with a powerful hit of motivation and inspiration to get your day started. Morningmotivation.fun or search for Morning Motivation wherever you listen to podcasts. Join the community online in the Morning Motivation Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Morning Motivation Podcast. JV Connect is coming up quick, December 12th and 13th. If you are looking for a networking event where you can meet people who aren't looking to just pitch you or take, but actually want to collaborate, build strategic partnerships, joint ventures, maybe even find some mentors, some coaches, people to support you, accountability partners, who knows? If you're looking for good people in an environment that's not stressful, but is set up to give you a lot of great connections in an efficient amount of time, check out JV Connect jv-connect.com that's jv-connect.com december 12th and 13th 2023 we'll see you there